the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head bringing you episode number 12 of the MMA podcast with a distinctly British flavour. Now, my buddy Shimak Karsandu isn't with me right now, but he was with me at Octagon Side at UFC 204, and that's what we're going to bring you right here, right now, on the Brit Pack. Please bear in mind, it's loud. It was loud in that building. The atmosphere was crazy. Compare it with Dublin. Compare it with Glasgow. Compare it with the big Conor McGregor fights because it really was that electrifying in the arena in Manchester on Saturday night. We'll bring you live reaction, or it was live when we recorded it, uh, between the fights at UFC 204. And then after the fights, my buddy Sandu sat down with Mike Bond of MMA Junkie and Rolling Stone and the daddy of them all, Mr. John Morgan of MMA Junkie and the MMA Roadshow to get some post-fight reaction from them as we wrapped up UFC 204. It's a fun show this week. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, the Brim Packer Octagon side at UFC 204. Simon Head, Shamakar Sandu. And uh, we're a few fights in, Sandu. Yep. We've had, uh, we've had a few pretty successes. And we've had, we've had one or two Brits who haven't quite been able to get that W. Mike Perry versus Danny Roberts. What a fight. I can't believe it. One of the best fights I've ever seen in person. And George uh, Cage kind of hat off the both hands. Just unbelievable stuff. Uh, Danny Roberts was pretty much saved by the buzzer in both the first and second round, but showed so much heart and grit and determination to stay in the fight. Mike Perry, I think his next facial tattoo needs to be iron across his chin because he has got an iron chin. Um, but have to say, you know, the referee should have you know, waved it off and stepped in a little bit earlier. Uh, Robert unfortunately took a few shots that perhaps he didn't need to, but that side, it was an amazing fight. And uh, yeah, Mike Perry continues to impress in one way or another. I mean, you know, people were you know, saying that maybe perhaps he didn't have Sucked. We got David Grant versus Daniel Stasiak. Then we got Brad White 
Bellamy and Bryson Boy Manoa. Belt for Vito Belva versus Nego Misasi. And then the one fighter, everyone in this arena is there for Michael Bisping. And it's Dan Hendo Henderson. For all the marbles at UFC 205. One, one thing, Simon, I think you agree with this as well. Oh my god, why are boys just playing? Shout out to Mega Prokop, but the, the, the arena has been electric. We're at about 2 o'clock right now, it's 2 a.m. But the support the British fighters have been getting from the fans and the, the arena here has been incredible. They're so loud, and you know, if anyone thought that the late night um, element on the card might have an effect on people's mood and emotions, These guys are here for the duration. They want to be here for all the fights. And uh, they're making one hell of an atmosphere here at the Manchester Arena. We'll report back a bit later on in the evening. Hopefully, with a few more British wins to talk about a little bit later on. The prep pack will be back. Oh, to, uh, to submit Albert Einstein Tumanov. 
James Elliott is the fire tonight so far. James just caught past the desk here on Fresh Road. That doesn't win fire tonight. The boy are we in for one hell of a fight on the main card tonight. Leonardo Santos beat Adriana Martins in the early fight. I said earlier, it sucked. It really blew. We won't talk about that. Main card. Marshall Pectus up next against Russell Doe. Then we've got a whole list of incredible fights culminating in Michael Bilsbeck versus Dan Henderson for the UFC middleweight title. The atmosphere here is building. The arena has been full since 2 a.m. Uh, and the light is suddenly going to get louder, bigger, and better. It's almost 3 o'clock in the morning. Me and Simon are on our Red Bull now.
ladies and gentlemen, your UFC middleweight champion is still Michael the Cow Bisbee. Shamakar Sandu, yeah. what an unbelievable roller coaster of a fight. Um, there weren't many fans sitting in their seats during that contest. It was drama. There was there was a, the comeback element. Michael Bisping looked done twice in that fight, but he came back twice and retained his championship. We thought we'd seen it all with the Anderson Silver fight earlier this year. Uh, he came back and did it again. Michael Bisping, unbelievable. I just tweeted out this. Fight. This main event had all the makings of a Hollywood movie. Such drama, such emotion. There was so many things. There's so many things to dissect and talk about. Kendo landed the hate bomb twice in round one and round two, almost finished Bisping. Bisping then somehow got the energy and the guts of the determination to come back in this fight. Stuck to the game plan, kept picking him apart. You know, we all know how much output he has. Got the judges' scorecard in his favour. I personally had scored it a draw. Uh, looking online, you had some of our fellow media journalists uh, score it for Hendo, some scored it for Bisping. He got the result tonight. Um, you can't argue with it. I think either which way, uh, there would have been no problem from me if he was scored it for, for Bisping, for Hendo, or give it a draw. But he got his he got the job done. Bisping is still the champion. He cut a hell of a promo. That's how it's done. He just destroyed Jacare and uh, Rockhold and Weidman and Romero. That's how it's done. When you've got the spotlight, when Brian Stan is asking you the question, that's how you deliver a promo. He's a class act. He's a, he's a, he's a veteran of the sport. And um, you want to get the blueprint. That's how you can carve out, carve out a top-level career in the UFC. Absolutely. For the record, I scored it for Michael Bisping. I gave him, I gave him rounds two, three, four, five. I gave Henderson a 10-8 in the first round. That's what kept it close on my scorecard. 48-47 on my card. And I suspect that might be how a lot of the judges scored that. I'd be interested to see how the scorecards come out. We get sent those by email. So yeah. we'll actually see the breakdown round by round of how those rounds were scored. Bisbing yeah. um, is now indelibly put on his record the fact that he's just a guy who can take adversity, come scream back, and, and come out the other side of Victor. That, for me, may even have eclipsed the Anderson Silva performance. I, yeah, I agree. For me, that, that fight had everything. Yeah. You can't also uh, underestimate the the, uh, the role that the, the Manchester crowd here had to play. Absolutely. It emptied out really, really quickly. Uh, there are going to be a lot of people uh, having a celebratory breakfast this morning because as we speak, it is 25 to 6 in the yep. morning. Um, the noise in this crowd, people talk about Dublin, people talk about Glasgow, people talk about Cleveland even. But an incredible atmosphere. Conor McGregor fights in Vegas. No, notoriously good atmosphere. The, the atmosphere in here was right up there with the best of them. And we saw a, one of the all-time great atmospheres, one of the all-time great... Uh, come from behind performances because that's what it was from Michael Bisbing yeah. he had his back against the wall after that first round and he he bit down on his mouthpiece he came fighting back and that is why Michael Bisbing is still your UFC middleweight champion of the world incredible night of fights Sandu if, aside from the main event if you were picking out one particular fight that really stood out to you what, what would it be? Well, it's got to be the poster boy, Jimmy Manuel from London. You know, um, we all know he's a, he's a powerful striker. And, um, you know, but he needed that kind of signature victory. OSP, Obey St. Paul, just fought the greatest of all time, in my opinion. And, it, and he took him all the way. With a broken arm. With a broken arm. And 
This is a pay-per-view main card spot for Jimmy Manua. Yeah. Uh, and he destroyed him. He absolutely yeah. knocked him out cold. Highlight reel knockout. One of the best of the year. He'll probably get a performance of the bonus for that. Um, so, if I'm being quite honest, a bit of a shame that he didn't call somebody out. And, and again, I'll go back to what Bisping did there at the end. You had some moments in the night where Brian Sand was giving the fighters an opportunity when they just got a pretty, pretty big win. Yeah. Stefan Struve's another one, you know, to call somebody out and they didn't take the opportunity. And, you know, fair play to them. If that's how they want to, you know, use that time, it's all down to them. But from our point of view, you know, that's how you can generate interest and kind of really kind of build your name and get some of the big pay-per-view, big name, um, you know, fights here in the UFC. Gay God did a great job calling out Anderson Silva uh, in his post-fight interview. Um, but yeah, for me, um, performances uh, aside from Bisping, obviously, uh, Jimmy Manuel's knockout was just ridiculous. Yeah, and just just a little note from me on, on Jimmy. I'll, he's probably the one fighter I've watched more than any other, just through coincidence that the uh, the domestic shows that I used to cover back in the day Jimmy Manuel was a major major uh, yeah. player on those shows yeah. uh, getting lots of big knockout finishes um, and uh, I've spoken to him on more than one occasion and said that big highlight reel knockout will come yeah. to believe in it it will come and boy did it come this weekend big amazing time. amazing amazing performance from Jimmy the poster boy Manuel standout performances for me for me there were two others Marty Akazi yeah. had to overcome some adversity today I think he thought he was going to go in there and blow Lucas Sajewski out of the water. Yeah. Found himself in a little bit of trouble in that first round. Dealt with it, showed some maturity, came back stronger, uh, and uh, learned from his early mistake, lit him up and won. Yeah. And a big, big thumbs up to Leon Rocky Edwards. You, took, you talk about all the, all the British stars in the UFC. Leon is a very quietly spoken guy. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of waves on social media. He's, he does all his talking in the octagon, trust he, me. He gets his head down, yeah. works hard, trains at one of the best gyms in the UK, UTC, up there in Birmingham. And you can see what it's doing for his game. I mean, he came into the UFC known as a striker, but he's got he's got a ground game about him now. Yeah. He used his wrestling to beat Dominic Waters. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he used his jiu-jitsu to beat Albert Tumanov today. Really impressive. And Albert Tumanov's a guy who a lot of people, the other side of the channel in particular, have been really high on. Absolutely. He put him away in impressive fashion. Great performance from Leon Rocky Edwards. The music has stopped here in the Manchester Arena. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's almost nice, 6 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's nice and calm. It's yeah. too loud. It's too loud. Yeah, normally it's a calm before the storm, but we had a storm now with the calm. God, did we? So, <laughs> so, so what we're going to do now, we're going to pack things up here, get our reports done, and uh, we're going to head back to the press room for the press conference. We'll grab some post-fight reaction back there, and uh, we will we will speak to you very very soon. Right, so it's past ten o'clock in the morning here on Sunday, uh, post UFC 204, and let's be honest, the Brit Pack is running on fumes. Yeah. Uh, we're pretty tired, so uh, I've managed to collar my Canadian Commonwealth colleague uh, for MMA Junkie and Rolling Stone, Mike Bond, uh, who's been here covering UFC 204 all week long, and. And Mike, you're just a, you know, an hour or two away from flying home, but your instant reaction, first of all, to UFC 204, the event, uh, especially the main event, where obviously Michael Bisping got his hand raised in victory. Yeah, spectacular event overall. I mean, I, that's really all you could ask for. I was worried that with the late start time and everything, that if this event dragged at all with like you know bad fights or just like a bunch of decisions in a row or something, that the crowd would get super restless and kind of take away from it, but... It was great. I mean, we had a decision in the first fight of the night, then nine finishes in the row leading up to the main event, and then you got a highly competitive five-round you know, fight that will probably... It's not fight of the year or anything, but it, I think it probably will be on like the top ten kind of list towards the end of the year. It was just a great fight between Bisbing and Henderson. 
Um, I thought Dan Henderson won watching it, you know, in person, uh, not on like a television monitor and not with commentary or anything like that. So I was a little bit further away. I was in the auxiliary seating for that main event. And, uh, you know, it's kind of harder to see there what it seemed like Henderson was landing some good stuff, but it's harder to tell if like Bisbing's slipping it. It's just more difficult to see. But in person, I thought Henderson, you know, undisputably won the first round. Uh, you could even say that was a 10-8. I just scored a 10-9, and then the second round, I thought the knockdown got Henderson the round again, and then Bisbing kind of did what he does in the third and the fourth. His resiliency, the fact that he even came back and was still pressuring Henderson, walking forward nonstop, like the fact that he got dropped and nearly knocked out twice in the first two rounds didn't make him more timid at all, didn't have him backing down, which is super impressive if you're just trying to take positives away from Bisbing's performance. But then I thought Dan Henderson took that fifth round, I know he didn't really do anything with the takedown he got, but he did get Bisping to the ground. He controlled him for a little bit of time, and I just thought he was he was a little bit more active in that fight. And I think a lot of that had to do with the break he got from the low kick uh, that we saw. I believe that was in round four. Mm-hmm. And after that, Dan Harrison seemed like to have to have a lot more energy to come out in the latter portion of that round, and then the fifth. And I, I thought he won, but. The judges didn't see it that way, unfortunately, and it would have been great to get that storybook ending. But at the same time, uh, you have Michael Bisbing, who is continuing his storybook ending or run to this portion of his career. So uh, probably the best case scenario for the UFC. You don't really want Dan Henderson winning the belt and then just you know, leaving it behind to vacate it right away. So all things considered... Um, I'm glad it went down the way it did just because Dan Henderson, it would have sucked to see him get starched in the first round or have one of those performances where he just didn't look good at all. So I think for everyone involved, uh, probably a pretty positive situation. And Dan Henderson, you know, of course, bummed out he didn't get the title. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, the the scorecards are something that's definitely going to be debated. And I suppose for me personally, I scored it a draw. Um, but I, I have no problem if you scored it um, for Bisping or for Henderson or if you scored it a draw. I think those are all viable options uh, the way you judge the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, something I did want to speak to you about, and it's the post-fight uh, interview uh, with Michael Bisping in, inside the Octagon. And obviously he just absolutely cut a hell of a promo on the, on Rockhold and Romero and Jacare and Weidman. And it was kind of a running theme throughout the night where we had you know these, these, these guys that were you know having a massive performance, getting a big victory. Brian Stan literally laying it up for them mm-hmm. to call somebody out you know give, give, give them a name and they didn't take that opportunity and then you had adversely Michael Bisping once again leading the way showing how it's done um, what have you made of the situation with regards to fighters who do call out names and they don't call out names and you know what's your general thoughts on that anyway I think you should have a plan at, at some in some case but for everyone to just say like everyone should have a name that they should call like this and that it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you have a guy like Prasad Bekdik, who I think probably stands out in that group. He got that huge first-round submission win over Russell Doan, and then he gets asked who he wants to fight next. And his speech, like, he tried a little bit. You know, Dana White, give me my chicken, or whatever he said there. And it's just like, then people are making fun of him on social media, right. being like, how bad is this? He's not good at this. So it's not everyone's thing, you know? Like, we can't expect all these guys to be Conor McGregor or Michael Bisbing or anyone that's just even like a, a Mickey Gall who, you know, had his plan in mind for Sage Northcutt. Like, not everyone's going to be able to do that and be able to line up a fight for themselves that makes sense. So I think if we just had the point where I know it's the job or the job of the interviewer who's going into the octagon, whether it's Joe Rogan or Brian Stan or John Anik or whoever, to ask these guys, what do you want next? But for us to sit there and say, you know, all of them should know... 
these guys just got in a fist fight too, right? Like some of, that's what makes Bisbing so impressive. The fact that he was probably concussed, yeah. almost knocked out twice in the fight, and then he goes in and can like lay down a speech like that. That's why Michael Bisbing is one of a kind in the sport. But if everyone's doing that, it just kind of takes away some of the specialness and what's so impressive about a guy like McGregor or Bisbing or uh, whomever. So I think you got to have room for both. I don't think we should be so hard on some of these guys. I mean, if you're getting a, if you're beating like a top five guy or whatever, like Musashi, say for example, beats Vitor Belfort, and he knows exactly what he wants, even if it's fight that fights that don't make sense. Anderson Silva, uh, who knows what's going on with him right now? I mean, he's saying that he's pissed at the UFC; they're not treating him that well. Or there's rumors he could fight GSP, so. There's all that stuff going on. And then Uriah Hall, who I think Musashi's well beyond at this point. Uh, but I understand why he wants that one back. So, like, there, it's kind of a mix. But at least have some... I think you should have some plan. But at the same time, like, there's just so many guys in the UFC, so many fights. I don't think we can expect that out of everyone. One of the running themes of the week was start time, right? You know, 3 o'clock main card start locally here. And it's, it's going to be weird because... You flying over from Toronto, it's, I think for you it's kind of been a case of just trying to maintain the yeah. same North American time zone that you're yeah. used to. Whereas for us uh, locals here in, in England and Europeans flying over, it's been a case of adjusting to the North American time zone. I think we've just about made it here yeah. uh, come the night of the fight. And now we're probably going to have to spend the next three or four days yeah. uh, getting back you know, used to our own local time zone here in, in, the, in the UK. Let me ask you about the crowd, the atmosphere. What were your thoughts coming in? You've been to quite a few shows now, North America and Brazil as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts in regards to what, what were you anticipating the crowd to be like? And what, what, do you, what do you think of them overall throughout the night? I thought they were awesome. I mean, from the beginning of the first fight of the night, it seemed like there was already like 80, 90% of the people in attendance. So that's all you can really ask out of a, you know, a crowd to show up for the first bout and I know it was later in the night, so I think a lot of people probably went out for you know dinner or drinks or whatever, then came to the fights with already a few beverages in them. But they didn't you know seem too uh, too negative, like they didn't seem too raucous, like there wasn't fights breaking out or anything like that. Like I think some people were expecting it to be that way. Uh, they were great. I mean. They weren't really given much many reasons to be a poor crowd. They got a very entertaining card. Pretty much every fight delivered except for maybe the first bout mm-hmm. uh, between Leonardo Santos and Antonio... Uh, Adriano Martins. Yeah. It's late. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think other than that, I mean, we the card gave them no reason to act in a, in a bad way. And they, they were awesome. I mean, going into the main event... They were singing, you know, Bisbing's walkout song. They were chanting along with Bruce Buffer during the introductions. And, you know, minus what I saw, I think, because I was out there in the crowd area for the main event. And I think when Bisbing got dropped the first and second round, people were, like, throwing uh, throwing glasses and throwing their beers and stuff. And at that point, I was sitting in the crowd, and I just got out of there. And I went up to, like, the top of the entrance where it was covered. Because I knew, I'm like, Bisbing gets knocked out here. Like, this is going to be a lot more, and I don't want beer getting thrown on my brand new suit and all this stuff so but other than that they, they were awesome they were super loud uh, energetic i did talk to a couple of people when i was out there i was like how are you guys feeling right now like are you from here they're like we're good we're all good so they uh you know it's not ideal i wish that you guys could get the fights on your normal time because i know that everyone is forced to stay up and watch all these north american events or brazilian events super late uh, so it's unfortunate that when they come to your market, they can't cater to you. But I understand why the UFC does it. Of course, their pay-per-views you know, are catered towards the North American Times. So 
I thought for what it was, a spectacular crowd in Manchester. I think they, they'll definitely back again, especially if Bisbane can hang on to that title for you know one or two more fights. They could bring him back easily. Well, look, Bisping and Henderson are definitely going to dominate all, all of the headlines, and, and rightly so. It was an instant classical fight with, yeah. you know, all the makings of a Hollywood classic. You know, the drama, high emotion, the yeah. tension, all sorts of stuff going on. But to try and remove yourself from the main event just for a split second, is there one story uh, this week, uh, a fighter, a performance tonight, or an actual fight uh, that for you sticks out more than the others? Um, I think in terms of performances, I mean, Jimmy Manoa was unreal he absolutely starched osp in that second round and for him i think you know we talked to him i think everyone kind of has similar questions his career his ufc run just hasn't been ideal uh got off to a good start i think he won three in a row and then but they're just kind of weird endings unfulfilling endings whether it's a doctor stoppage or a guy you know calling the fight when he's still on the stool in between rounds just hasn't been the most emphatic of victories and this one we know exactly what he's capable of. OSP coming off the going five rounds with John Jones and interim title fight. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, thought he moved up a little level even losing that fight. And Manua came in there and took all his shine. So I think right there, the light heavyweight division, even though Manua, I believe, is 36 years old, needs all the uh, faces, competitive fighters, you know, highlight real producing guys it can get. And Manua is right up there. And his only two career losses are to Anthony Johnson, and Alexander Gustafson. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. So he's a guy that if he can stay healthy, if he can fight consistently, I'm very interested to know what he's capable of. And then on top of that, you got mentioned Gegard Musashi. I mean, from day one this week, even just the past few months, he's really, really coming out of a shell. Uh, you know, isn't hesitant to drop an F-bomb, call, you know, the ranking stupid, just say anything he wants. That guy is hilarious, you know, and the complete opposite of, when we used to see him come into the sport or early in his days, people said, you know, he never smiles. And now it's like he's not, he's never not smiling. So, yeah, Musashi is awesome. Uh, I remember just being a fan of him back when he was in fighting in Dream and in Strike Force. And I was wondering if he'd ever make it to the UFC. And he's here. He had a bit, of, a couple ups and downs to start his run, you know, the losses to Machida and Jokere and stuff. But now it seems like he's really rolling. He's won four in a row. I think he's finished three of those. So he's a guy that. As long as he, he keeps this going, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in a title fight you know, very soon. It's just the middleweight division. It's kind of tough right now with all these big matchups. It seems like he's the odd man out. So uh, if I were him, I would just, you know, it doesn't really seem like he took any damage tonight. I'd get right back in the gym and prepare myself in case either you know, Chris Weidman, uh, Yoel Romero, Jacare, Luke Rockhold, uh, Derek Brunson, or um, who am I mind blanking here? Robert Whitaker gets injured in those upcoming fights and he could slide right in there and then he wins that and now we're talking I want to end on this uh, with you Mike Dan Henderson that's it it's, it's, it's over yeah. you know the, the guy is a legend of the sport he's going into retirement now um, I guess it's kind of hard to kind of uh, you know really kind of go into an essay mode and kind of talk about his career but mm-hmm. just your initial thoughts on what his legacy is in the sport and how do you think he'll be remembered as an MMA fighter yeah, it's. Uh, I'm a little bit sad. I mean, I've had the chance now. I think I've been. Uh, I was at Randy Couture's fight. I was at Chuck Liddell's last fight. Um, I was at what I thought was BJ Penn's last fight. Seems like he might be having one more now. And the BJ Penn one was really sad because he was like he just got crushed in that fight. 
and you know he was like crying and stuff and it was just it was very depressing but this one was depressing on another angle because I thought Henderson should have won the fight I thought he should have had his fairy tale moment the UFC belt is the only thing that's eluded him you know he got that tournament championship back at UFC 17 I think it was and then of course the pride belt uh, in two divisions the strike force belt just an amazing career a career that 99% of fighters could only wish and dream that they could have and uh, would have been just the uh, perfect end to it if he had got that title tonight but it didn't go his way and you know what does he mean to the sport he's a guy that fighters forever are going to try to use as an example and inspiration of even if it's maybe not the most positive thing of hey like Dan Henderson could fight into his mid-40s like why can't I do that and maybe some guys are you know setting that as a pinnacle that is unreachable because they just want to keep going when they're in a tough spot in their career. But Henderson did it. Uh, he always did it right. He was absolutely classy in victory or defeat every time out. Um, it seemed like you know it was going to be a very ugly end to his career when he was losing. Uh, I think he lost to Musashi and then Vitor Belfort in a row, and they were like the fights were the stoppages were coming. He was known forever for being such a durable guy, and then finally those knockouts started to come. Uh, the more decisive losses and you're like man how is this going to end for Dan Henderson like this does not seem like it's going to be a pretty finish to his career seems like he's going to be pushed out the door uh, by the UFC by whomever by his team and it didn't go that way he managed to get the win he needed uh, against Hector Lombard set up this title shot and he went out on his terms and as a combat sports athlete I think that's all you can really ask for Um, you know it wasn't the perfect ending with that title but still like very good he was just a hair short of being the champion so I think he said he can live with it if he can live with it we should all be able to live with it so Henderson I mean we should all be thanking him for his service I hope the UFC gives him the job he's looking for I don't know exactly what it's going to be but I think he's one of those guys that deserves it he can be a very good role model and a teacher to fighters that are coming up in the sport. He's been doing it for two decades, pretty much being through every era from no rules to pride rules to UFC rules to, to it all. So, um, you know, I think we should all be thanking him, and he's an absolutely a Hall of Famer. Uh, hopefully they give that to him sooner than later, and hopefully he gets his job, and he's very happy in post-fighting life. It seems like he's, you know, he has a beautiful family, a beautiful wife. It seems like he's made some good money, so... Uh, you know, I think Dan Henderson's career is one that every fighter should aspire to even, you know, match by 50%. Well, look, Mike, it's been great to be with you again on a fight week. It's been a lot of fun. Yep. I guess I'm going to see you in New York. And yep. then uh, and your European tour isn't ending in 2016. You're going to be back uh, over on this side of the pond for the Belfast card, right? Absolutely. And that, that should be fun, too. I don't think we'll get the uh, the grabbiness from our Dong Young Kim uh <laughs> Gunnar Nelson main event, but that should be a good fight, and there's some other good matchups on there as well. And of course, 205 is going to be, you know, we, we don't even need to talk about that. It basically says it all for itself. Absolutely. Well, appreciate you jumping on board the, the show this week and helping us out, and uh, safe travels home. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So, like I said, on this week's episode of the Brit Pack, we need some help. Me and Simon, we can't get it done ourselves. We're running on fumes. <laughs> uh, we've had to adjust to the North American time zone, so we had to get some North American journalists to help us out. Already spoke to Mike Bond. Now I'm being joined by my good friend and colleague, MMA Junkie, MMA Junkie, John Morgan. John, you've been around for a lot of UFC events around the world in various time zones. What was it like watching a main card kick off at 3 o'clock in the morning? Oh, man, this was crazy. Uh, you're right. I have seen some weird ones early in the morning. Sometimes, like, I mean, Brazil's done a couple that have run pretty late. You know, I think I remember, like, Aldo Mendes walking to the cage at, like, 4 o'clock or something like that. So uh, it was it was unique. But, um, 
I thought what, what I was a little worried about is if the crowd energy would be there, if maybe they'd be a little too tired or a little too drunk or whatever else. And uh, they delivered, man. So it was uh, it was a weird week all week because we were – I mean, it kind of wasn't that hard physically because it was basically just staying on American time. Mm. But it's just still weird to do that when you're, like, sleeping during the day and staying up at night and all that. So it was kind of a bizarre week from start to finish, but uh, tonight was amazing. Yeah, I think the closest that I've come to experiencing something like this was a Stockholm event. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a year or two ago now. Um, and I think that ended around three, I want to say, mm-hmm. maybe three or four. Um, With a very quiet Swedish crowd, as I yeah. recall. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the Manchester fan base and the crowd here was totally the opposite. Um, Let's talk about that for a second. When Bisping walked out, and obviously Bisping had the ups and downs going through his fight, and the crowd were just really getting behind him. You know, how are you taking that all in? Dude, it was uh, it was phenomenal, man. The entire atmosphere was amazing. It was, um, I mean, kind of reminiscent in some ways of the Anderson Silva fight uh, earlier this year, where it was just the the ups and downs, and and, and Mike having to really fight through stuff and and, and show his heart and show his character. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was pretty amazing to see. But yeah, it was. Not, I mean. For him to be knocked down, and then for Hendo to leap forward in the exact—I mean, it looked like a carbon copy of UFC 100, uh, but it just not quite land. And for him to battle up, I mean, uh, the energy that was in there when he, when he made his way to his feet was awesome. And then, uh, you know, round two to get dropped again—it's like, oh god, you know, how does he do this? But kept finding a way to do it, kept finding a way to do it, and and the crowd was supporting him and, and cheering him on, and uh, just amazing, man. It really it really was an, uh, an amazing energy, amazing atmosphere. And, uh, you know, the, the, the cheers and the chants and the support is, you know, it's reminiscent of like a soccer crowd, a football crowd. Right, and, right. And uh, we still never get those in the States. You know what I mean? It's, we, we just we don't get that stuff. So it's like a, it's like a unique atmosphere. And I, I dig it. You know what, John? You have been covering this sport longer than anybody else I know. Wax poetic on Dan Henderson for me right now. Ah, oh, Dan Henderson's the man, dude. I mean, just, uh, you know, I, I, I say, that in, in, in pretty confidently, honestly, I think he's the greatest American mixed martial artist of all time, just what he's accomplished and what he's been able to do in his career. I mean, you you, you go through and just see the, the fights that he's had and the wins that he's had and what he's done and coming here at his age and, um, t- you know, to, to, to nearly walk away with the title. I mean, he was – a punch or two away on two different occasions, you know, and, and I saw a lot of people that actually did score the fight, you know, for Dan Henderson and said that, uh, you know, they think maybe he took one, two and five, you know, I think Mike Bond had him, had him taking one, two and five. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't think he did enough in, in, in round five, but, but still to, 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 to be competing at the highest level at that age and being so close and, uh, and, and to, you know, you can't say enough about him and, and, uh, Man, you just think the fact, you know, how long he's been around the game, man. I mean, this is somebody that really does date back to the early days of the sport. I mean, generations of 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 martial art. I mean, how many guys have come and gone since the time that he stepped in? It's right. the, the longevity that he's been able to have is is incredible. And then you you know you, you throw in all his wrestling accomplishments and all that. Just just a a, a consummate professional, a stud uh, that that's done everything, man. It's a uh, Shame to see him go, but cool way to go out. You know what I mean? Like, to, not, to to go out in a way that you're like, you know, he came to the press conference, didn't have a mark on his face. Right. Michael Bisping had to go to the hospital, and we've seen the pictures, and, like, it was scary. I mean, he was busted up. And, and he could kind of make a case, hey, I kind of even thought I won. You know, so to go out that way and say, man, I mean, it would have been the perfect story, of course, to be like, I won the UFC title, the one thing I'd always wanted, uh, and then I walk away. But to to go out the way he did, nothing wrong with it. Anson Silva, Luke Rockhold, 
Dan Henderson. I know we've got a few months left in 2016, John, but for me, and I'm not saying this is because I'm British, um, but for me, Michael Bisping is the 2016 uh, UFC slash MMA fight of the year. Have you got any problem arguing that? I don't see it. I mean, I guess maybe if Conor McGregor wins the title uh, against Eddie Alvarez, then you start going, well, yes, he's 2-1. Two and one. Two-weight champion. Yeah, but all three fights were outside of his division. Uh, you know, the, the first fight with – you know, I mean, there's an argument. But even then, to me, all you could say is it's an argument. I mean, yes, he, he would accomplish history by being a two-division champion, but you can make the argument. You can't say for sure, you know. But to me right now, yeah, it is Michael Bisping. I mean, yes, it's an age Dan Henderson. Yes, it's an age Anderson Silva. But they're both legends, you yep, know. And I agree. just the, the emotions of the fight. I mean, I, I still think – that that Anderson Silva fight was one of my favorite fights of the year. One of my favorite fights I've ever been at, to be honest with you. Just the feel of the building, the ups and downs of the fight. You know the emotion behind it. It, it was it was theater playing out. You know in the cage, man. It was like a just you know a, a complete full story in there. You know, and so uh, yeah, I think he is, and it's a uh, it's crazy, man. I, UFC middleweight champion Michael Bisping is is not something I thought I'd ever see, and now we've seen it, and we've seen, and we've seen him defend it. It's raining and defending. It's crazy. So, Michael Bisping, the first ever British UFC champion. How, if you're the UFC, John, how best do you use him? Do you maybe bring bring him back for, say, there's rumors of a London show mm -hmm. in the first quarter of next year? Do you roll the dice again with the the late, you know, start of the card here in the local, uh, you know, crowd and for that North American pay per view market? Do you perhaps you know, throw him into the mix in, in, in a stacked pay per view event next year in, in based on America? How best do you use, utilize him? I guess maybe you see how the numbers come back for this one, but uh, to determine exactly, I love putting him on that London show. I, I don't know if that's going to be a pay per view or a fight night or what it's supposed to be, but I love putting him in London. Uh, I mean, having him headline here in England is a no-brainer. Seeing the way people got behind him was was incredible and amazing, and um, I think that I think that would be fantastic to put him in London. I, I know that you know sometimes you overdo it with putting a guy in a market or whatever, but I, I just don't see another English headliner right now. So I think you know putting him in a main event slot makes it big. It makes it important, and it gives. You know, uh, this market is still developing. Is obviously you're very well aware of it's. It's it's not quite where America is right now. It's a little bit behind, and so you know I think you still need to give people a reason to get invested and to be involved. And I think the best way to do that is to keep you know trotting out that English champion, you know, and letting them see like, look, this is our guy. We've got a dude that's the best in the world, and 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 you know let's let's do that. Now of course it'll depend on how the matchups play out and and what fight they decide to go with. But yeah, I'd love to see him in London. I don't know if they want to keep doing this middle of the night stuff. I mean, it's it's uh, it worked and it's good, but I think you and I talked, you know, beforehand. Part of it was kind of like the novelty, you know, like ah, yeah. oh, they're here. Like we got to go in the middle of the night, but that's kind of cool. We're going in the middle of the night. Like I don't know, let's check that out. But sure. like every time I got to go for a midnight start and get out with the sunrise and at six a.m. I don't know how many times you buy tickets for that. Oh, no, I I completely agree with you. So obviously Bisping and Henderson are going to steal all the headlines and rightly so. Mm. But is there uh, a fight, a fighter, a story this week that's really kind of caught your eye? Um, and is there so something else aside from the main event that you think is something that people should talk about and read about tomorrow? Well, I thought Gegard Mousasi looked really good. I know he's not in that top four of that you know middleweight contender list right now. That very deep middleweight contender list, um, but I think he's right there behind him. So I think I think he looked great. 
you know, patient in his attack of Vitor Belfort, but then once he saw his opportunity, he just unleashed. So I thought that was a, a fantastic one to watch. Uh, of course, uh, Marty Acasey uh, looks like the real deal. That was somebody that, you know, we were hearing a lot of hype about coming in. I thought he really delivered. That's somebody you definitely want to keep your eye on. Um, enjoyed him. Leon Edwards, I thought, had a great performance tonight. Um, so, you know, a handful of Brits did some pretty cool stuff. And, of course, uh, you know, what didn't go his way with Danny Roberts, but uh, a great fight with Mike Perry. I mean, that was a kind of a heck of a way to start out the night. Yeah, and we talk about legend and Dan Henderson retiring. Another legend of the sport, Vitor Belfort. Things didn't go his way tonight. Um, what do you think he's going to do next? There were, there were a few rumors that, you know, he was going to announce his retirement um, in the cage tonight, I saw online. Do you think he fights again? Do you think he calls it a day? What do you think? I think it depends what matchups they come with him. And I mean, he's still a huge star. I think he could possibly fight in Brazil. But if I had to put my – if I had to guess right now, uh, I think he wants to fight. I think it'll, we'll see what his family says around him. You know, he's got a wife and kids that have been there from the beginning. Everything that I've ever been told is that um, he doesn't need to fight for money anymore. He's been incredibly financially successful in, like, business investments and, and things that he's done in Brazil. And so he doesn't have a need to fight again. And if he doesn't have a need to fight again, I don't think he should fight again. Uh, I just I just don't think it's there anymore. You know, it's at least not the highest level. I mean, if he wants to drop down and face, you know, some lower-tier guys, maybe some kind of um, – it's just so hard. I mean, the guy's such a star, and he's been around forever, and what he's accomplished. Like, it's not easy to be like, hey, we've got this guy that came off the Ultimate Fighter, and he's 4-2. and two. Like, why don't you fight him? Like, what? what? You know, so for that reason – I think it, it probably should be the last time we see him. I just think that he's such a superstar that he doesn't want to fight against anybody but top-tier fighters. But that top the top tier, that middleweight division right now is deep. Well, the next time the UFC is on pay-per-view is UFC 205. Mm. It's coming up right around the corner. I think the, the whole crew is going to be there. Um, the UFC aired the official promo um, which featured, you know, all the guys on that on that you know main card, all the title fight fighters, and I have to say, it gave me some serious goosebumps. A um, great job by the UFC production Pro team. Pro wrestling, Mark. I loved it. I lo- I loved it. I mean, you know, you've seen some promos in, in your time, but when you saw that air, did good. it start to give you some of the? It was good. The gooseies. It was really good, man. It was really good. It was uh, nice production for sure about it. It looked sharp and. Uh, yeah, man, I'm pumped for that card. That card is so good. I mean, it really is top to bottom. It's such a fantastic card. And, um, you know, it's it's funny for me. I was talking to somebody about this earlier. Like, you know, the whole Madison Square Garden thing. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I've never been to Madison Square. I only cover MMA, so I've never been there for a, a boxing event or a hockey. You know, I've, I've never been there. So I'm kind of excited about that. But to me, it's not like, oh, I mean, it's, it's the same show, just in a different venue. Right. You know what I mean? So it doesn't excite me that much as far as just being in Madison Square Garden. It'll be a cool footnote. It'll be interesting, but it's not like the feature attraction for me. Right. The feature attraction is this ridiculous card, yeah. and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I can't wait. Well, listen, um, we have to start to pack up Ugh. our bags, and um, I don't know if you've got any uh, time left to have another Godfather before we all you know depart for the I'll week. Probably figure something out. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate you jumping on, helping us out, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Okay, that was the Brit Pack episode number 12. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it this week. A little bit different this week uh, with some live live audio from Octave Inside. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Stitcher. 
and uh, you can get us on Acast as well. But probably the easiest place to find us is on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the Brit Pack, and you'll find links to all of the places where you can subscribe to get the show each week. You can follow Sandu on Twitter at Sandu MMA. You can follow myself on Twitter at Simon Head. And of course, you can follow the show's Twitter account at the Brit Pack MMA. We'll go back to uh, a standard podcast format for next week's show. And uh, we'll start the countdown to UFC 205. It's not long to go now before all eyes turn to Madison Square Garden in New York City. Conor McGregor as he steps in with Eddie Alvarez looking to become the first ever UFC athlete to hold UFC World Championship belts in two weight classes simultaneously. Can he get the job done? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on next week's show. Until then, thanks for listening. Enjoy the fights and we'll speak to you very soon.